better than begging and letters and homegrown tomatoes. Up in the morning, out in the garden, get you a ripe one, don't get a hard one. Plant them in the spring, need them in the summer. All winter without them is a culinary bummer. I forget all about the sweating and digging. Every time I go out, pick me a pig. Well, we might get some tomatoes in the ground this uh, coming week. Maybe, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But welcome into Yard and Garden Live. 90 minutes of questions and answers to your landscape problems. Nebraska Extension Educator Nicole Stoner and her guests are going to solve all your problems. From bugs and critters to rots and spots, we call it Yard and Garden Live. You just need to call 402 729 and now, a little round of applause for the lovely and talented Nicole Stoner. Come on, come on. Oh, well, that's enough. That's enough. Don't want to get her all <laughs> swollen head and stuff. Yeah. So good morning to you, Nicole. Good morning. How yeah, are you? I am fine. Uh, I think I'm like everybody else. Just relieved that we finally got some rain. Right. We kind of broke that bubble and finally got some rain. Exactly. Uh, before we get too far along, now we talked about uh, your guest a couple of times this morning on the air, but tell everybody who you brought today. I brought with me John Fesh, and he is extension educator in Douglas and Sarpy counties. So welcome. Thanks for coming. You bet. Good to be here. How's your How's everybody's ears? Are they good? Yep. All right. Very All right. good. Uh, yeah, a lot of people uh, will uh, know John, have seen John, and heard John on other media, and uh, along with Nicole, I mean, we've got a a big pool of information and people who can probably talk you through or get you the right answers, get you started in the right direction on anything that you might be wondering about, having problems with. Uh, of course, you know, sometimes, and I've noticed that sometimes it's, People have a, have, a, have a question and, you know, how can you solve it? And sometimes, you know, the, the answer is just, that's just nature. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's really yeah. not going to be a, 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 good, a good way to do that. Uh, blueberries. Mm-hmm. People want blueberries around right. here. And, you know, in the, in the spring this time of year, a lot of the box stores will have mm-hmm. these big, yep. you know, plants, blueberry plants. But... And not saying you can't do it, but, man, you're in for a whole lot of work to do blueberries yes. in this area, right? Yes. Yeah. And that's our soils. You know, we they like acidic soils. And right. We have very basic soils yeah. or yeah. alkaline. Uh, and I kind of bounced around there. But there are some things that, you know, people go, you know, and I don't get it, you know. Mm-hmm. I, it'll grow here. It won't grow there. And it may be a microclimate climate. Uh, climate thing. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes it's just nature. And uh, we don't know everything about mm-hmm. everything. Right. Sometimes. And, you know, I was always told in college that the plants don't read the books. So <laughs> they, they don't always know how they're supposed to yeah. grow. Yeah, so, really. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's get this phone number out a couple of times here. 402-729-3383. 402-729-3383. One more time. 402 402- Seven two nine three three eight three. Your questions answered today. Nicole Stoner, who's here every week, and another extension educator from Dar- uh, Douglas and Sarpy <laughs> County, uh, John Fetch, here to uh, to uh, you know answer your questions. Please bring them on. Yeah. So you mentioned maybe getting plants in the gar- or in the ground this this uh, weekend or so. I always go with Mother's Day. 
um, as a pretty good guideline for, you know, soil temperatures and, and that, um, which does make a difference. And actually, um, we do have a, um, this is an infographic that we can put out. Um, and actually, we're not quite to that soil temperature for a lot of those, um, those plants. Um, for 60 degrees, you would, would be for like your tomatoes, be, uh, beans, peppers, eggplant, those. And you actually need 70 degrees for things like your basil, okra, um, any of those melons, pumpkins, and squash. And we're actually only at 53 degrees. I looked, that's the week-long average. Um, what I can tell you is, okay, if you're a creature of habit and you want to do it Mother's Day, you want to plant your garden this weekend, that's okay. Um, they'll be fine. Our, our low temperatures aren't low enough that it's going to injure the plants. It's just they're just going to kind of sit there. Wouldn't you agree, John? They, they're just not going to be happy. They're into pouting at this point. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to be kind of just, uh, you know, not real happy. But, they, you know, it, it is also a matter of people's schedules. Right. I know that if you're a traveling sales per sa yeah. salesperson, yeah. you may need to do it sort of uh, just out of schedule. Sure. That sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, that makes sense. And next week's supposed to be warm enough. They'll they'll perk up quickly. Yeah, the, I guess the the big thing you don't want to do, and I don't think we have any more. Well, we do have a chance of rain Saturday night. So uh, with the way the ground is, and say you got another pretty good rain Saturday night, you might you might find yourself going out and ending up mudding mm. your yeah, plants, you, and, and you, you don't want to do that. Do that. Yeah. Now you could punch seeds into the soil, right? That wouldn't be as bad as in the mud yeah uh if it was already worked maybe I mean, yeah i don't know that i think i'd just wait because what you're going to do is getting yeah. into the ground you're going to stomp yeah. it down and, plus, and compact it plus the only person that you're, you're going to make your wife very unhappy when you come back in and track mud all over so <laughs> that's right so don't that's just true. don't do any mudding if it's if and it's wet again you know uh, it's very hard when we can't do that. You know, I'm, I like to plant them Mother's Day weekend. Sure. I always do. Last year though, I planted them within the week after and it was because there was a chance of frost, mm. pretty good frost that weekend. Mm. And I think maybe that Monday night as well after Mother's Day. And so I waited till Tuesday or Wednesday before that was out of the, the, um, forecast because you don't want to do that either. Cause if you go and plant those and then a frost comes, you got to cover them all up or else you're going to have injury. I don't think I see any frost issues in the 10-day forecast, but... Um, yeah, no, there shouldn't be. Yeah. But, you know, once again, it's May. Right. And we all know May means it may be cold, <laughs> it may be hot, it may be dry. It, right. Right. So even once you do get your garden in, just pay attention to the to your temperatures. Yeah. I would hope we're out of the, like, snow and frost and all of that good stuff. But but if, if, if people do, like me... Uh, put in like tomato plants this this early it doesn't really hurt the plant it's just not going to do anything right right yeah, and there's a couple other considerations too um uh, the first consideration is that if people are really interested in this earliness issue um they'll definitely have some wood chips as a aisle or pathway so they don't have to step in the mud mm -hmm. and then next to it they'll build a raised bed because the raised bed is a little easier to plant into. You're not mudding it in as much. The soil has usually been mm -hmm. enriched with some compost, and it's a little bit, uh, just a little more conducive mm -hmm. to planting, even if the soils are wet. Um, the other thing is there are protective devices. My favorite is called a wall of water. Right. I haven't seen those as much lately. Have you? Uh, 
Not around as much. I think what a lot of people do is like either they'll put a bucket around it yeah. or a tin can, you know, yeah. those coffee cans with both ends. Or um, I've even seen where people put the tomato cages around and then wrap plastic wrap. Mm, yeah. And that's going to do the same thing. It's going to get that heat right. within there. Um, and, and those are great. But make sure you take those off, right? Yeah. Because um, it could build up pretty bad. It can bad, get pretty hot. Especially I, the tin cans are sometimes left on a little too long. And they're going to reflect a lot of heat back mm-hmm. on that plant. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know a lot of people do that to start. But with next week being 90, there's there's two or three days in a row where it's yeah. supposed to be 90. Yeah. Um, I just looked at the weather this morning. And so that's going to be pretty hot on that plant. Yeah. Um, so you don't want to burn it either, right? Yeah, I'll give a shout out to um, one of my gardening friends, Greg, who lives in southern Lancaster County. So probably Maybe within the, yeah. the miles. Oh, yeah. Possible, for sure. Who does a lot of this mm-hmm. early planting. Uh, just the, the reason uh, kind of came to my mind. Greg does a lot of plants a big vegetable garden every year and does a lot of um, the early vegetables. He's always proud that he's got radishes by a certain date, which is really <laughs> which is really wonderful, I think. It's just right. it's really cool. Uh, and then also always plants the earliest whatever, fill in the blank, tomato, mm-hmm. sweet corn. It's all great. And he has a beautiful vegetable garden, and but he does a lot of these earliness uh, techniques mm-hmm. in order to make that happen. Right. Yeah, you just got to protect them is the, the key. If you're going to be... You want the first tomato. You know, I know some people have to have to have that first one, and that's okay. Uh, but just got to make sure that you're protecting them during that time frame because it gets pretty chilly. Would be a, uh, a good weekend maybe to go out and scatter seeds if you're wanting to do some top dressing maybe to mm-hmm. your yard. Yes or no? I mean, I would think it would be great, especially with the warmer temperatures coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, you keep them grass seed damp. Oh, and Grass seed. Yes. The thing about grass seed is that you need soil preparation ahead of time. Oh, but true. Especially coming off of a winter, there tends to be a little bit of a crust that forms. Yeah. And if you're just putting the seed out without the soil preparation, it's it's bird food, essentially. That, yeah, right. So yeah. You, you really got to do that. And it's, it's a deal where, again, people get really anxious really early. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I would also recommend is, in addition to the prep ahead of time with a power rake or a stiff tine rake, is the application of something after you put the seeding on. And we have a new material out, well, it's about three years old, uh, that allows the uh, crabgrass, or allows the grass to grow, the desirable grass, the ryegrass, the, um, the tall fescue, the bluegrass to grow, but it suppresses some of the nasty plants, like crabgrass and foxtail and spurge and those kinds of plants. It's a relatively new uh, product. Uh, Scott's happens to have the patent on it right now. And if you go to your local garden center, you'll be able to find it. So right. it's a, it's a, it costs you, you know, you're going to, you're going to pay a little price for it, but uh, I really consider it almost a must for a spring seeding. Now a fall seeding pretty much get away with just doing the regular, mm-hmm. uh, loosen the soil and do the seeding. Yeah. You don't have nearly the weed pressure in a early September seeding as you do now. We're going to see all kinds of stuff oh, yeah. burst out of the ground as soon as we get those first warm days. Yeah, yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what kind of interesting plants I get underneath my bird feeder. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get a lot of safflowers. Plant, yeah, plants yeah. under so, the. So bird do feeder. I. Do you yeah. have you ever let them go? Do they ever go to seed? Do you know? Mm, I've never let them get that tall. I wonder how oh. tall they get. Mm. I don't know, but I, I, I feed mostly sapphire mm-hmm. this time of the year mm-hmm. because of all the starlings and grackles, grackles are around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they don't eat that, so you can feed that. 
402-729-3383. I'll tell you what, we might just go ahead and go ahead and take uh, our first time out. And we'll be back with more Yard and Garden Live right here on Old Red 99.5. We are back on Yard and Garden Live on Ulred 99.5. And uh, we invite you to be part of the program by calling in at 402-729-3383. We do have a call. And uh, thank you for being patient and waiting. This is Jenny from Beatrice. Hi, Jenny. Hi. How are you? I am fine. Do you have a question? Oh, I, it's going to take a little bit. <laughs> That's okay. we got plenty of time. Uh, and if anybody's listening and wants to get in behind Jenny, there's phone lines open there at 402-729-3383. So take your time and what you got. I have some questions. Um, I start all my planting downstairs. Hmm. So I have tomatoes ready to go out, beans to go out. Um, I just planted my lettuce because it grows so fast mm-hmm. um this year we used to do aquaponics and we have to fix that that's why i'm doing it this way this year um it has been so wet i've planted some um sunflowers and some beans and they're all standing up but they're in a good drainage area this is like clay we always add in some sand um, when we till it. But I'm wondering, with it so wet, what should I plant and what shouldn't I yet? Okay, well, first of all, I think they want to talk a little bit about what you're tilling in, and then we'll, go, we'll come back. All right? Go ahead, That's guys. Fine. I, I can tell by the reactions here. It's <laughs> yeah. okay. So if, if you add sand and clay, you make concrete. So okay, I'll tell yeah. them that. So if you want to improve your soil, improve, improve the drainage of the clay soils, a better option would be some type of organic matter or compost or something like that. If okay. Um, I wouldn't recommend manure this time of year unless it's fully composted, um, just because of of health reasons, food safety issues. Um, yes. But you can you can just buy you can purchase bags of compost. Um, or even like a topsoil or something like that to add in there to improve that because I'm sure that it's because the clay is so so tough and hard to um, get through. And so that'll improve that drainage and that kind of stuff rather than sand. People go to sand because they think, oh, it's great drainage, but you mix, makes those, sense, you know? you mix those two together and, and it makes it worse. Yeah, we were going to do sandy soil for our watermelons and cantaloupe and that kind of stuff. They'll be fine um, in the clay as long as there's some organic matter in there. They'll do okay. okay. I, it's I actually kind of complicated because, you know, in the very center of the state, I think geographically, there's a region where they have predominantly sandy soils, St. Labore and mm-hmm. St. Paul and a number of areas there. And so it's maybe 75% sand. And if you go to a football field, like where the Omaha Storm Chasers used to be the Royals played, okay. or Kansas City Royals, yeah. or Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I know uh, Nicole's a big Kansas City Chiefs fan. I am. They're playing a 95% sand. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so you do get wonderful drainage there. And, um, you know, they actually have systems underneath it to pull water through 
and then recycle the water. Anyway, it gets, sand is wonderful if that's the predominant element. And but when you have the clay with it, then it does become harder. I mean, that's how bricks are made, essentially. Adobe. It's, yeah, Adobe, yeah. <laughs> yeah like so now, uh, absolutely, the compost. Now, there are various types of compost. Um, most of them are good. Aged compost, as Nicole said. So mushroom compost is good. Uh, cotton burr compost is good. Um, composted manure, if it's aged. Um, some of the municipal composts are pretty good. Doesn't Beatrice have a place where you can go out at their transfer station? They do. Or is it just kind of, uh, well, it's kind of questionable because of the it, mix. Yeah, I would use that organic or that compost for um, non-food I got you, plants. because you don't really know yeah. what's been laying there composted. Right. All right. So it, let's get back to uh, this poor lady here uh, who, who has now been educated on what not to till into <laughs> yeah. her soil. Uh, Sorry, you didn't ask that. <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, what what actually are your questions then? Um, I need to know, basically. Um, I, ha- I This year I went on a variance of all kinds of tomatoes, all kinds of beans, um, peppers, that kind of thing. Um, I've added stuff that I've never done before. Um, like I said, it's growing downstairs. Um, it's everything I do. We do is heirloom. Mm-hmm. So when you're putting in that mixture of compost, does any of that matter, or is there a certain type of fertilizer too that doesn't change from heirloom to something else? Nope, you'll be fine with um, whatever works. Um, the difference between your traditional uh, or the hybrid. Um, plants versus your heirloom plants is the heirloom is just hasn't been hybridized so it's original Um, you might have more disease issues with those um, because they don't have that resistance that we've bred into new ones but sometimes the new ones you lose the flavor especially tomatoes they've bred the acidity out because people have so much trouble with too much acidity um, Mm -hmm. in their food but otherwise no they're going to grow the same Um, now I know you mentioned um, like what you can plant now with it being so wet and that I would just let it dry out before you plant any of them just because you don't want to mud those in and compact it, it'll compact the soil more when you're doing that um, and then I've, you also mentioned you've started them downstairs so I don't know if you've hardened them off at all yet um, I'm gonna start this okay week. perfect yeah because that's where the problem would could happen um, if they're used to a nice calm basement <laughs> and you put them um, out in our lovely calm. wind oh perfect 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 yep okay then yeah um then i would just wait till it dries up a little bit more um and then um warms up a little bit more would help as well and then all of those things that you mentioned should be just fine um fertilizers <clears throat> if you want to do a fertilizer like when you start them that's okay. Don't get too much nitrogen later in the year because you'll end up with beautiful green plants <laughs> with no fruits on them. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So I usually, if I do a, a fertilizer, I, I'll do a little bit at the beginning mm-hmm. when I start them, and then I don't worry about them. Some people do side dress later in the season, but you just want to, you know, I, I kind of yeah. hold off on that well, one. That's another reason for the compost. Is right. You do get a little bit of nutrition with that. Uh, in kind of a slow release form, and you don't have to worry about the side dressing later. So, yeah. Any, anything yeah. I, for the compost? Um, I used to clean all the leaves up out of my yard, and this year we had a raised garden, 
and um, we started taking it down. Um, just cross-pollinating, that kind of thing. We just didn't want that to happen again. Um, so we're doing it in the backyard this time. And like I said, the ground is different. Um, he was thinking of putting some, some type of fertilizer in as he tills it next time when it's drier. Is that not a good idea? Should it be put right around the plant or? I don't know. I think I would just kind of sprinkle it amongst the plants once mm -hmm. you get them in. Um, you know, they've got all those little granules you just sprinkle around them. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that works just as well as anything, especially if you're adding compost. Wouldn't you agree, John? Sure, sure. It's more direct effect. Mm -hmm. There's yeah. also a possibility of loss of the nutrients if you put them in in the fall before. Mm -hmm. You know, the fate of the nutrients, the fate of the nitrogen, you know, we don't want it leaching downward into the groundwater uh, or to a body of water. Um, we don't want that. We, and there could be some volatilization upward into the atmosphere. We don't want that. So no. it's just, yeah, I think, like Nicole said, you know, at the, t at the compost, you're going to get a kick from if the plants look a little spindly or light in color, a little bit of side dress would be good. But other than that, uh, want to be careful. Yeah, you can overdo it on the yeah, fertilizer too. Easily, easily. So if you're not sure where you are, you might do a soil test just to kind of see where your levels are at. Okay. So, I think you're yeah, on the right track, done. though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, um, I'm from the Council Bluffs, Omaha area. Council Bluffs, actually. Um, our dirt there, we lived on the riverbed area, and it is totally clay. My mom had no problems growing anything in that clay. Mm -hmm. So does anybody know the difference of the ground here? So it would be a clay type as well. Okay. Um, and that's where doing a soil test would tell you what you've got there, what you're dealing with. Yeah, so soil test would be great because then you'd also learn pH. Mm -hmm. You'd learn the organic matter content, mm -hmm. phosphorus, potassium. Um, right. cation exchange capacity. Right. The nitrogen, the results that come back with a soil test, we kind of take with a grain of salt because we know it's such a temporary transient nutrient. We almost almost ignore it uh, mm -hmm. in the readings and the reports. But yeah, the soil test. And you, you want to look at the growing zone. You don't want to take the soil test report or the soil test at 36 inches. Mm -hmm. um, just think about how bit, where your melon's going to be or where your corn root's going to be in that, what, two to eight inches mm -hmm. range and about 10 subsamples from that area uh, to get a good good sense mm -hmm. anyway yeah okay um the lettuce grows so fast mm -hmm. and um i need to know last year i had quite a bit um that i could just pull leaves off and they regrew mm -hmm. and like i said all heirloom but there are some that grew a stem. I'm not sure what one it was. Um, I try to keep them all in a list um, and marked where they are. Um, it grew a long stem up the top mm -hmm. after I had started um, just, it looked like a romaine lettuce, mm -hmm. but I don't know what that stem was and how do I go ahead and harvest some because I'm going to do a produce stand this year um, just to try it out. Um, but how do you keep it so it keeps growing? 
So lettuce is a cool season crop. That stem that you saw was the lettuce bolting. And so that's the lettuce producing the flowers. Um, when it gets too oh, hot okay. in the season, it will do that because it likes the cool season. So it's going to stop uh, producing the leaves as much and start producing the flowers later on. There are certain okay. varieties that are more heat tolerant than others. Um, so you can look at that, but um, it's one that you want to plant. Oh, look at my little thing here, mm -hmm. actually. There 40 degree soil temperature lettuce can grow in. Um, so if you plant it early, um, before that last frost, um, then you'll get a longer season of harvest, but it's going to be earlier. You're not going to be harvesting lettuce in July or most of June, probably. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and then you can plant it again at late July, early August for a fall season mm -hmm. um, when it starts to cool back down again. But yeah, it's when it does that, it's just it's too hot and it's done. Yeah. And you can tell during the daytime when it gets hot because it will. Yes. So I'm going to have to move it so it doesn't get that afternoon sun. But it's still going to um, get to a point in the summer where it's too hot and it'll just, it won't, you can't produce uh, the leaves. You're not going to get much from it at that point. Okay. And the spinach, my spinach did terrible last year. It was awesome downstairs in the aquaponics. Mm -hmm. And then as I brought it out, yep. it, I mean, I may have had one kind that, actually produced anything and spinach is the same as lettuce for soil temperatures and season so it's going to be that cool season as well if you're planting it when you're planting your tomatoes and your peppers you've kind of missed that window yes so. yes and like i said i planted my lettuce last week downstairs and it's ready to go so i guess i just have to wait till it dries up a little bit I wanted to do like some gutters on our privacy fence and do each kind, um, but I don't have a shaded place for <laughs> in that area. So for I next year, it would be cooler. Yeah, for next year, I would plant that lettuce um, in mid to late April. Yeah, it was mid April, I guess. Okay. I'm no, I mean out now. outside in mid to late April. Oh, oh, okay. Yep. Wouldn't you say that's a pretty yeah, good time? Yeah, with the aquaponics, sure. yeah. it just grew so fast, and we start in January, and I don't have anywhere to put it yet. Yeah, and with the aquaponics or hydroponics, moving it from that system to an outdoor system is going to be tough yeah. because you don't develop the same kind of root structure. Nope. So it, it, yeah. it, it's just a tough transition mm -hmm. from one to the other. Yeah, we had some um, heirloom... Um, I think they're called black tomatoes or ch um, purple or something. Mm -hmm. I can't think of what they were called. Um, or black kern. I'm sorry. They were black kern. They took off like crazy. And we found out last year that there's suckers hmm. on the plants at the top that are taking nutrients to help. It. I mean, cherry tomatoes, we still had them in October. Mm -hmm. um, our tomatoes went about that long mm -hmm. but like I said the lettuce was gone the spinach didn't work um, we had strawberries that were growing but they didn't um, turn all the way red um, all my beans I've got bushes and pole beans how high do you think the pole bean um, thing could be for them to crawl 
they'll crawl up pretty high. Yeah. I don't think okay. there's I don't think there's a height limit cuz you know I just put a one okay. pole in them around them and they'll climb up that and find their way. Yeah. I have northern beans and they were heirloom seeds and they had no information on them. I've googled them. I don't know if they're pole or bush. You'll, um, well, you'll find out after they grow. Very well, downstairs. Well, that's just the wonder of nature. Sometimes we're just going to plant them and see what comes up, huh, John? I think so. You know, in nature's wondrous pageantry. Right. Yeah, I love it. It's <laughs> something that and one was, of our yeah, I was, previous I, colleagues I need, used to talk yes. about. I need a lot. to write that down before you leave. All right. Yeah. Because I, I always stretch. I go, go for that. But uh, anyway, Jenny, thank you for your call and good luck with your garden. And I hope you. Uh, I hope you have much success, and uh, we'll see you around the uh, we'll see you around the farmers markets. Okay. Okay, I think I'm going to do the the thing at my house. All right, the, out of my yard and driveway. All right, sounds good. Good luck with yeah. that. Yeah, I do have a question on flowers. Okay. Okay, I have planted my cannas, my gladiolas, tulips did not take, and neither did. Um, the transplanting of the hostas. Um, hostas, I, I know you're supposed to transplant in the fall. Or that's what my grandma had always told us. So um, with the ground so wet, could it have flooded out my cannas, my gladiolas, um, that kind of stuff? I mean, it could be, yeah. The And the hostas... I mean, they're okay in the fall, but you can do them in the spring, too. Sure. Tulips. And you, I did. If you just planted tulips, those are supposed to be planted in the fall, in October. Okay. I'll write yeah. that down. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they come back, don't they? Yeah, yeah. as long as you don't and mow them off. I've done yeah, that I before. I, you know, yeah. My I mom was big at that. My great-aunt's house, they spread. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they will. Yeah. A little, okay, yeah. and rhubarb. I get planted in the fall. Uh, Correct? It's better in the spring, isn't it, John? I, or will it do okay I, in I the think fall? spring or fall. You, okay. I think the summer, that that's another plant that bolts. Mm-hmm. And during that time, you just kind of want to leave it alone. And it'll bolt, oh, what, June-ish? Yeah. Mid-June. And at that time, you just kind of want to leave it alone, let it, let it uh, replenish the root system. I think that could be a spring or fall. Probably, there may yeah, be a be preference okay. on that. I'm not enough of a rhubarb expert to know, but I think it. I think it could be either. Mm-hmm. Just when there's not a lot of heat stress yeah. on the plant at that point. Yeah, I think it'll be all right. Yeah. Yeah, we have a history of farmers and gardeners up through my aunts and uncles and great aunts and uncles, and I was always told rhubarb in the fall, and that it, you, it wasn't going to be a patch of rhubarb for a year. Or one planting season. Is that what anybody else knows? Or is that just like their method that they did? You want to leave them um, for a couple of years before you do too much harvesting. The second okay. year you can do a light harvest on them. Uh, third year then you could harvest. They're kind of related to the asparagus family in right. that fact. Yeah. Listen, we've got to That's take a... I'm going next. Okay, yeah, all right. <laughs> well, good luck with your asparagus. We're up against a hard break here, Uh Uh, Jenny, I hope we uh, covered the territory that you wanted to get covered. 
Yes, I do. Oh, the fertilizer, though. Should I use like a 555, 10, 10, 10? Is that going to mess with the heirloom? Nope, you'll be fine. Any of them will work. Okay. Mm -hmm. Great. That sounds wonderful. Thank you for your answers. You're welcome. Glad to have them. 402-729-3383. We'll be back. We have room for you. Give us a call. 402-729-3383. Back in a flash. We're back on Yard and Garden Live. 402-729-3383 is our phone number. If you want to call, we have open lines right now. 402-729-3383. 402-729-3383. I want to let everybody know Farmer's Market downtown February opens. uh, It's opening tomorrow. And they will be there every Saturday about 4th and D, uh, just like last year, from 9 a.m. until 1 p.m., May through September. And um, if you know of other farmer markets that are open and where they're located and the times are open throughout our listening area, and if you want to put it on our list, you give us a call at Yard and Garden Live, and we will write it down. We'll have it every week. Through the growing period, uh, actually all all through uh, August and September, four zero two seven two nine three three eight three four zero two seven two nine three three eight three. I was wondering, uh, as far as uh, you know, tilling in. There's nothing better than compost. You know, boom, I get it. Uh, but there's a lot of places that have recycling centers that have. Uh, shredded newspaper, shredded documents, shredded paper. Is that something that a guy could think about maybe even rototilling that in? Well, there's two parts to that question. There's the rototilling part, and then there's the paper part. Okay. Um, Probably the best use of the paper products would be for a mulch. Yeah. Um, It's sort of a a sponge for nitrogen, and and it can really... you know, absorb uh, because everything needs to get to equilibrium. And so that's a heavily carbon product. And so in order to get to uh, a carbon to nitrogen ratio, it's going to want to just like, you can almost hear it sucking the nitrogen. Well, it's kind of like if you, if you have a compost barrel that you turn, you you don't want all paper. You want paper and you want, you want the brown and you want the green. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. I kind of think that you have taught him well. The brown and the green. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> he may it, have gotten that from other sources. No, I, I'm sure it's a, you know, <laughs> no, just just yeah. here on Yard and Garden Live. That's right, and I and you should be able to tell from the smell. <laughs> you We've got hey, let's see here. We've got some phone calls we need to get to. Uh, Jim in Tecumseh, uh, you're coming up. But first, before we get to you, this is Susan in Wymore. Hi, Susan. What's your question? Um, I work at a retail store that has uh, different plants and stuff that I work in. Uh, we have a masabi cherry tree and a bing cherry tree. I had a question this week, and I couldn't answer it. Um, it says on the masabi that you have to have a sweet cherry tree to pollinate. Oh, for pollination? Mm. Yeah. Okay. And 
And on the bean, it says you have to have a sweet to pollinate the bean. Okay. So would they need three trees or two? Both of those would be sweet trees, mm -hmm. right? So, um, so the uh, they should pollinate each other, right? Wouldn't okay. you think, John? That would be a, a good possibility. There are also some pollination cross charts mm -hmm. that I would um, you could check out. There are several really good um, nursery suppliers that have uh, cross charts. So mm -hmm. this will pollinate that. Um, and it becomes really important in apples and pears, right. um, less as important in the stone fruits, but it still helps. Um, the tart cherries have less trouble with that than the sweet cherries. So Montmor Montmorency, Meteor, um, there's another, North Star, mm -hmm. those are the tart cherries. Some people used to call them sour cherries, right, but, but yeah. that was a rebranding kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, okay. Um, and and they ha they're just a little bit more reliable in our area. Yeah. The, the sweet cherries, um, they can grow here. You know, you'll find spots where they are, but they need to be protected, um, and they may not live very long. Um, I don't see them growing a lot. Mm. Um, but I do know some people that have them. But, again, it's a very protected location. So that is one thing to... Even more so than peaches, huh? Mm, yeah. They bloom early. Ah, yeah. okay. They're early bloomers, so they're yeah. they're mm -hmm. going to probably get frostbitten and then... Yeah, one guy that I talked to about him, actually just the other day, he said he's got some. And um, I think he said like one every seven years mm. or something like that, that yeah. he does get yeah. a, a crop from them. Um, so, so, Susan, is that is does that help you out or... Yeah, and do you have another question, or? I don't have another question, but that does help me out. Okay, and I can actually help my customers better uh, that way. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for the call. Yeah, and check Thank online. You. There's some some really reliable um, wholesale nurseries, and if you do that, you will find those charts that we're talking mm -hmm. about, and you could even follow up with. Yeah, you can email me, and I can yeah. um, get it sent over to you. Yeah, as well. So, all right. Thank you, Susan. Thank you. Thanks. Yep. Let me see. I promised Jim from Tecumseh we'd talk to him. Here's Jim right now. Hello, Jim. What's hey. your question? Go ahead. Oh, good morning. Uh, the question I have, I got a couple, I call them yucca plants. And when's a good time to maybe either split the root or how do you replant them? Ooh. Aren't they pretty it's, difficult it's, to split? It's tricky because the other plant has to be well established and have its own root system before you make that, that cut. Otherwise, you'll have a dead <laughs> side shoot. They do kind of multiply, and you'll see this. Um, but they have to be pretty mature before they... You, know, you could do a little checking, careful excavation, sort of like you know you do with um, bone excavation. Okay. You know, I don't do that, okay. but an anthropologist would. Okay. But you know, very careful and to see if there is a separate root system for that. I guess you call it a daughter plant. Um, to see if that's developed there. If it's just sort of an offshoot with not much and it's still attached to the bigger plant, then I wouldn't recommend it. So once it develops that own secondary root system, then it can be done, and I would do it at uh, a time when it's not uh, a, the hottest part of the summer. So um, once the soil is dried out just a little bit, bef you know, between now and Memorial Day and then maybe after the heat of the summer is over. So it could either do it this spring or even in the fall. Sure, sure. But you'd want to allow a little time for regrowth of that sure. root system you're going to take off. So I would say October would be a cutoff. 
Mm-hmm. Um, maybe the month of September would be good. Yeah, because these are old plants, whatever, like this, and they're getting big. And I figured, well, maybe I could, you know, either a split or a roof, mm-hmm. uh, dig a part of it up and then replant it and go from there. Mm-hmm. So. But they have a taproot, so it's not like a division like yeah. you would do with, like, say, a hosta. These these plants this actually be... have a root like everybody thinks a tree has. That's They're, right. You know, yeah. they, I mean, these are taprooted. Yeah. yeah. And so, so you're that's... not just going to split one big plant. You'd have to find one of those daughter plants. Yeah. Correct? That that has its own established right. root system, and yeah. then it uh, and then taprooted plants are harder to, uh, than fibrous rooted plants. Mm-hmm. They're harder harder to to be successful in the transplant. Mm-hmm. So. It, you know, if if it doesn't work for you, Jim, it's Jim, right? Yeah. If it doesn't work for you, Jim, don't don't beat yourself up, <laughs> because it would be it's just going to be a hard a hard road. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I sure appreciate it. Well, you yeah. good luck. Yes, indeed. Good luck, Jim. Four zero two seven two nine three three eight three four zero two seven two nine three three. Eight three. We are uh, at about ten minutes here before the top of the hour on Yard and Garden Live. We'd love to hear from you. We have open lines at four zero two seven two nine three three eight three. So if you want to call in now, we'll try to pop you on the air here really, really quickly at four zero two seven two nine three three. As uh, I do believe we do have a call, we have Brad in Janssen. Hi, Brad. Go ahead. Well, I'm going to apologize for starters because I don't know what kind of a tree I'm talking about. My wife has a tree in our backyard. It's kind of like a miniature weeping willow type thing. It's all in white blooms right now, and it's only about, oh, five feet tall, and it's probably 10 feet in diameter. It's a beautiful little tree, but last winter it basically froze out, and uh, it didn't have much for blooms on it last uh, last summer. Now this spring it looks awesome, but I have all these dead branches sticking out here and there, and I'd like to go in and just chop, 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 but I don't want to kill the tree. Well, it's it's good that you asked before you started chopping. Do we know what tree, what kind of tree it is? Would it be like a weeping mulberry, maybe? Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not a mulberry. It doesn't get mulberries on it anyway, but uh, um, but some uh, do it doesn't get don't. any fruit that I know of. <laughs> yeah. uh, we we think some some weeping mulberries don't have fruit, uh, oh, okay. but uh, it's only going to bloom in the spring, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, okay. Uh, and last summer, it, you didn't have any. Did has it never had any fruit? Well, how? First of all, let's start at the beginning. How old is the tree? I'd say it's probably six, seven years old. Uh, how tall about? Oh, tall. It's probably about uh, five feet, four to five feet. Okay. So I've, I've, I think I've seen these little kind of miniature dwarf weeping willow type the trees that are almost just a big bush. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's right. But I don't know what kind they are either. I can't think. Brad, I'm like you. I don't know what they are. There's also a possibility of it being a grafted tree. Right. And if it's a grafted tree, you have to be careful not to cut off or cut around that graft because then whatever grows below the graft will not have the same shape, form, color, texture as the desirable top. So you'll see kind of a knob or a a change or a, a wart or something 
um, between, and you, you know, it can be grafted anywhere, but usually it's about a foot off the, out of the ground. Okay. So that's a possibility. Well, and this would just be more, I'd be, I'd be wanting to trim some branches, not mm-hmm. the, mm-hmm. not right. the trunk. Um, and there... I don't know if I just go back far enough that you couldn't see them. If they're uh, dead branches, you can cut those out. Yeah, you can cut, yeah. I'm talking branch. I'm not talking about the main trunk. Okay, yeah, but and if you're just talking the dead ones, they're not yeah. going to come back to life. So go ahead and cut and those I out. Won't, I won't kill anything. I don't. Ha- I know you guys always say don't put anything on it. Let Mother Nature just right. a nice right. clean cut. Right. Yeah, and go back to a fork in the road or a, back okay. to the main branch. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. sort of a surgical technique where you want to use a bypass pruners, not an anvil pruners, but a bypass, and make a cut. Um, Kind of work your way through the canopy, make that cut, and then take the one branch out and stand back about oh, 10 feet, good. 10 feet. Take a look. Okay. Did I do the okay. right thing? Okay. And, and just do one at a time that way and just cut the, brand, the dead ones, like Nicole said. And every time you make a cut, you're going to improve its appearance and overall health. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, good. Yeah. I, is, it, is, it, is it beneficial to get them out of there anyway? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, Randy, if this don't work out, okay. I might be on your front step with a suitcase. Okay, well, <laughs> listen, Brad, here's the deal. This is what I would do. You know you got to take your time, and you're going to look at all the cuts slowly. You're going to get it done. And then you're going to tell your wife that she owes you a big one because you took care of her tree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and good luck with that, huh? Okay. All right. That'll work. All right. Thank, Thank you. Thank you for the call. 402-729-3383. I'm telling you. The best callers in the world, right here. 402-729-3383. Yes, we have an open line. Yes, you can call. 402-729-3383. Hi, Leslie. Leslie is in Beatrice with a question. Hi. Hi. I have um, a little miniature rose plant that's inside, Mm. and it has a lot of new leaves, but some of the older ones have yellow with a brown spot in it. I don't know if it's got something or if I watered it too much. I try only to water it a little bit at a time. Will that be black? Does the mini rose get the black spot? Sure. So that's black. Well. Yeah, it, <laughs> they call it black spot of roses. It's a it's a brownish blackish spot, but it's a pretty pretty uniform circle. Um, on yeah. the on the leaves themselves, is that what you're seeing within that yellow? Yeah, in the yellow, there's it's pretty much a circle. Yep, in the brown. Yeah, that would be black spot. There's fungicides you can use for that. I would be careful with using them inside right, though, right? right so you'd right. want to take it outside and use that fungicide on them um, and leave them out there for. Do you ever put them out during the summer months at all? Well, this is new, so I'm waiting till a good time to put it out. (laughs) Okay, so yeah. So once you put it out, um, I think you could probably wait till then because you could probably put it out once it dries out here any time now. And then once you get it outside, you can use uh, fungicides. There's certain ones labeled for roses. Um, There's some that would just be like a copper fungicide that would work, but I'd probably get the one labeled for roses. Yeah. would work a little bit better. Um, and you can use that, but I wouldn't use it on the inside right now. Does, okay. Does the pot have a hole in the bottom of it? Um, yeah. Okay, good. That's that's really important with roses. They need uh, to have that excess water to be able to move away from it. Okay. 
All right. Thank you. I'll try thank, that. Thank you, Leslie, for your call and good luck. Yeah. 402-729-3383. Yard and Garden Live here on a on a Friday morning, the week after Arbor Day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Big, big celebration last weekend in Nebraska mm-hmm. City and and uh, well, all across Nebraska, a state holiday actually. Mm-hmm. Arbor Day is. Yeah. Um, you had Arbor Day off, but yet you came over here and worked. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, I'm an arborist. I can't not do the radio show on Arbor Day, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Four zero two seven two nine three three eight three. And uh, if you're thinking about planting a tree. Uh, I think maybe uh, we haven't, we used to visit this probably once a year, mm-hmm. and it's been a while uh, since we've talked about, you know, some really good uh, ways to go about uh, transplanting your tr- tree when you, after you've got it, uh, if you bought it from a nursery, uh, the the correct way to go about planting a tree, because they're quite an investment in time and money. And you'll want to do it correctly. Mm-hmm. And so we're going we're gonna to talk about that today, I tell you, be, because I kind of had this on the back burner for three weeks and mm-hmm. we never got to it. But uh, first, Carla from Beatrice has a, has a question. Go ahead, Carla. Yes, I was wondering, I got a uh, mom plant in the fall and I planted it in my garden. And now it, of course, needs to be cut back so the new can come up. Mm-hmm. Is it okay to do that at this time? or? Yeah, now that we're starting to get into warmer temperatures, you would, should be fine with that. Um, you know, you don't want to do that too early in the spring because you can expose that plant material that's been protected by that dead stuff. But yeah, this would be a fine time to start cleaning those up. And you just kind of cut it back to the new stuff, or how far do you cut it back? Yep, if you've got green stuff growing at the bottom there, just cut back right right above that. Thank you. Hope your mums do well for you. Let's go to Alan. Alan's in Dakin. Hi, Alan. Hi there. Uh, I have a Colorado blue spruce tree that I planted as a twig probably 25 years ago. Mm. And I put it a little too close to my machine shed. Now the bottom Mm. branches are rubbing on the machine shed and rubbing the paint off. I just wondered if it's a good time to trim that back or if it should wait. It's really budding out right now, you know, with new growth. So what time and how far back I should cut it? And That's a good question because uh, if it loses its needles, it never regrows needles. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, we I don't think I've ever heard anybody uh, or explain about pruning uh, a tree like this. So that's a great question. You know, we need to take a tip from the Christmas tree growers who do that. And um, I learned this early by pruning Christmas trees. Okay. Uh, A lot of times the best way to learn is from someone who knows about it, and then you have to do it yourself. Mm -hmm. And um, so so pines, as you mentioned, pines, spruce, and fir grow uh, primarily from the ends of the branches, and they don't have a lot of lateral branches behind them or even lateral buds, for that matter, to where they can regrow. So what a Christmas tree grower does is they use a long knife. It's like a knife that you would use to cut shatter cane out Mm -hmm. of a soybean field, except it's narrow. It's about uh, an inch and a half 
wide and about oh, two feet long, and it has a handle. And so when you're doing this, you got to have a guard on. You have to have like a bulletproof guard on your right leg if you're right-handed and left on your left hand because you're going to cut your leg. You're going to slice your leg. You always do. And I, I, when I'm making this cut, I felt it bounce off my leg several times, and I was so thankful for that, <laughs> that, that guard. It's, it's literally a, like a Kevlar vest, except it's on a shape around your, like a, I don't know, to cover your, anyway, so you cut that in half. You cut that newest growth in half. So you, uh, with a pine, you, you know, you want to wait till, oh, first couple weeks of June, and with a spruce, you can wait a little bit longer, probably into the 1st of July or so. So a Christmas tree grower has all of these different species, and they prune their pines first, and then they get into the firs, and then they get into the spruce, because the spruce are more flexible. Mm -hmm. But you want to wait till it grows out and, and then cut it in half. Or even, it, you know, you can make them uh, be less or more restrictive if you cut it, if you cut two-thirds of it off. But you don't want to cut back into 2021 growth. You can really only cut 2022 growth and be successful. If you cut back into 2021 growth, there are very few buds mm -hmm. left on that 2021 growth that are viable. And as you mentioned, Randy, uh, eventually all those will lose their needles just because that's why Mother Nature made them. And you will be very unhappy with yeah. a naked, empty branch. So how's, uh, how's Alan going to go about uh, trimming this back on just, I'm assuming... You just want the you, you want to go in and and try to trim just the side that's up against the building. Sure, but then it'll be lopsided. Yeah. So okay. But so is that what you is that is that what you're after, Alan? Or uh, yeah, it it it. Uh, I just planted it a little too close, and now it's rubbing the paint off. And what uh, he was talking about, uh, one of those shearing knives. I actually have one of those. Oh wow! Because I shaped it when I was. Uh, when it first planted, or first several years, mm -hmm. uh, I had a friend that grew Christmas trees, and yeah. he told me about that. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to cut back some branches. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I, maybe I can just trim it a little bit, and sure, so it's not rubbing the paint off. But yeah, you can keep it tight for a number of years, uh, but eventually mm -hmm. it's just going to be out of its bounds. Mm -hmm. So this yeah. this echoes what we talk about, what Nicole, I'm sure, has said in previous about right plant, right place. Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's sort of a sweet spot because if you had planted it at its where you know it was going to be mature away from the machine shed at the, when it was a little sapling, you would have thought, man, that's that's like 40 feet uh -huh. away, and that's that's too far. And then if you you know kind of do the opposite, now you've got this problem too. So at least it, it's just a recent problem. Yeah. I the thing is, 25 years ago when I planted it, there was no yard and garden. So, <laughs> <laughs> and or internet. So you know you were doomed. Huh? <laughs> but uh, but I do thank you for your advice. Thank and I'll, you. I'll try and figure something out here. All right. Good luck. Good luck. Oh, uh, look who we have here from Fairbury. I think this might be somebody. That, Nicole, we both know. Hi, this is Hayden with a question. Hi, Hayden. Hi, guys. How are you? Hey, I have a question about planting asparagus. Mm -hmm. Can I plant it in a container? Hmm. I mean, you could. I don't know. I mean, yeah, it would be fine. You've got to get a big enough container. Maybe like one of those uh, mineral tubs might work mm -hmm. for it. Mm -hmm. You think it would? That'd be cool. Might work. Yeah. Okay. Uh, full sun or oh, yeah. partial? Mm -hmm. 
full sun mm -hmm. and well drained. So you'll yeah. make sure you make want sure you put holes, holes in that in that, in that uh, container. Well, that actually may work better. You no if kidding. You use more of a potting soil type. Yeah. But it would, Hayden, you would have to bury it. Not necessarily bury it, but you sort of plant it in the ground. It wouldn't do real well if you left it on the you know uh, above ground all winter long. Because mm -hmm. that could dry, especially in a winter like we just oh, had. Oh, yeah, good point. It mm -hmm. could be. Move it to a garage sure. or something where it's not, ex because those roots are going to be more exposed to yeah. cold winter winds than it would be if it's in the ground. Either that yeah. or, or dig a hole in the ground and put it in the, put it in the ground um, like you were, oh, I don't know, you know, just maybe eight inches deep mm -hmm. and five feet long, the size of the container, and just plop it in there. Uh, just so it has the, the sort of that ground protection and mulch over the top of it with some straw. Um, okay. Either way, you know, I think Nicole's idea would be better because then you'd be able to kind of keep an eye on it. Mm -hmm. But And she's got a strapling young man that uh, can, can, <laughs> can either way, pick you, that if thing yeah, up. And that likes to spray, so I can't, I have a hard time growing it. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Yeah. Kind yeah. of cover that it. And uh, rhubarb. Mm -hmm. Can I plant those close together? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Around yeah. the same area? Yeah. Okay. Sure. All right. Thank you guys for your help. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. you too. Oh, yeah. Okay. So we'll take a quick time out, and we will be back with more Yard and Garden Live. Okay. Saxophone, please. Huh? Do we have the saxophone on this? Ah, wrong bumper music. My face is so red. Uh, 402-729-3383. 402-729-3383. Feel free to interrupt us as we give uh, people who don't know how or really haven't planted a lot of trees mm -hmm. some really good advice on how to pick out a tree, pick out a location, and just shoveling it off to you guys. All right. And, you know... Like you said before, it's an investment. You know, trees can live for years, 30, 40, 50, hundreds of years, right? So you want to make sure that you're getting the right tree and that you're planting it correctly. Um, and I see a lot of trees mm. that are too deep. Mm -hmm. And that is probably one of your most uh, common issues with planting. Um, so when you when you get your tree, so you're, first you want to buy one that's rated for our zone. Mm -hmm. Um, that's a good quality tree and that you're getting it from a local source, mm -hmm. you know, whether it um, is a, a grower locally or fairly local. Mm -hmm. um, it's just sometimes we get our trees from further south locations and they're not adapted to our climate and they won't do very well here. Um, always makes me think of the dead buds that Kim mm. would talk about because mm -hmm. we get red buds from like Tennessee and then yeah. they come here and mm -hmm. just we're dying all the time. Um, once you get that, you want to look at the roots in the pot, and you mm -hmm. want to kind of dig around and find those roots mm -hmm. um, because sometimes they get a little deep in the pot even. Mm -hmm. um, and so find those roots, then you dig your hole. And, you know, we're starting, you know, you can start with fairly small trees. A, you're going to save money, and B, it's going to catch up to, if not surpass, the growth oh, yeah. of those giant things, right? Yeah. Um, so you should be able to do it with a shovel, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody thinks, oh, I need a truck and a backhoe. Mm -hmm. or No, a shovel should do it. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, so once you find where those roots are, you want the hole just as deep and twice as wide as that root ball. Mm -hmm. um, and kind of rough up that root ball a little bit. Um, make sure that, you know, you're spreading out those roots. 
really well. Um, and so a lot of people think, well, I'll dig a deeper hole mm. and then backfill to where I need it because then the roots can move into that. And what you have there is then your tree will sink. So mm-hmm. don't do that. So just as deep and twice as wide. Um, plant that in there. Get those roots out. Um, backfill with the same soil that was there originally. A lot of people want to amend that, make it nice, but then it's nice right there. And the roots don't want to move out into our less desirable clay <laughs> soils, right? Um, so do that and then add a nice mulching around it, two to three inches deep. Always water them in once you get them in there. Um, and did I do miss we, anything do we, there? Do we stake them like a dog leash or how do we you do know, that? If, you, if it's in a really windswept location, you can stake it. Stake it for only one growing season and stake it loosely and use a material that's wide around the tree. So you want that tree to move in the wind. Everybody thinks, oh, I'm going to going to put it in there and make sure it doesn't move um, because then it'll stay upright but what you do is if you let it move a little bit it tells the tree to build those anchor roots Mm -hmm. and it'll build a better anchoring system for the tree to hold it in place so um, I planted an oak a few years back it wasn't real big dug the hole myself um, and did not stake it and about two weeks after I planted it we had a very big storm come through and my tree was really blowing in that wind it was perfectly fine. Um, so, you know, I, you, if you want to, if, especially like on an acreage out in the middle of the country, yeah, it might new be a place, different, yeah. you may want to stake yeah. those. Um, but you don't, you don't have to. But if you do one year and there's, you can stake it with one stake, two stake, three stakes. I mean, there's. As long all, as it's loose and it can move back and right, forth. Right. Yeah. And then if you have, if you're in the country and you have deer, mm-hmm. then you got a whole yeah. another thing that you. You probably should put a fence around yeah, it because they will um, nip those buds off. They'll also um, rub their antlers on there. So, all right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very good. Thank you, Nicole. Mm-hmm. Uh, and another thing I, I had, a you know, if you do it wrong, you know, if you, if you, you have the potential of investing in the tree, putting it all the work in the ground and then enjoying it. And it's, you know, but you're wondering why it's not growing. Mm-hmm. And it might, you know, if you didn't, if it has girdled, it's mm-hmm. down below and mm-hmm. be helping it spread out before you put it in the hole. Even if you take one of those like claw things that you see in the garden oh, center, yeah. you know, and kind of rake it and mm-hmm. get yeah. the, you, you know, from the inside. those roots pretty good. Mm-hmm. Because okay. nothing worse would be going, I don't know why this tree is dying. Right. Now, you know, there's no bugs, there's no this, there's no that. But it's probably the root system is didn't get on a good start you may not notice the damage from a bad planting for about 10 or 15 years that's that's and that's the point you know no it was fine for you know eight years Mm -hmm. you know we planted it while we moved in Uh, and so uh, this is rita from fairberry hi rita hello i have a question about hydrangeas and we'll get you an we'll get you an answer okay i've got some and i need to know what side of the house would be best to plant them on Mm. What kind do you have? Uh, something somebody gave me. They got them from Walmart or something. It's a blue one and a pink one. Was was the pot blue also? The flower was, yes. Oh, just the flower. Well, there's a certain mm-hmm. branded type of hydrangea called Endless Summer that, that is a sort of a corporate <laughs> requirement that they sell it in this uh, light blue pot sort of a gimmick um but it makes them stand out and it makes you understand what you've got they're kind of iffy okay but they're kind of if if you're out there in listener land and you're thinking about a hydrangea they're kind of iffy 
uh, one of our colleagues calls them endless bummer <laughs> instead of endless <laughs> summer. I get that. I mean, everyone wants blue flowers, but in our area, it's just so tough. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, I've learned a lot about hydrangeas from our colleague and friend who's probably been on this show, uh, Sarah Browning. You mm-hmm. bet. And yeah. she knows a lot about hydrangeas. And she has this nice little info sheet, which we could even send to you, mm-hmm. um, that uh, identifies them first by which of the four types it is. That's why Nicole mm-hmm. probably asked that question. Mm-hmm. There's a big leaf hydrangea. There's a, uh, I don't know, there, there's Annabelle. Annabelle. There's an oak leaf hydrangea. There's, there are four different basic types. Microphylla. There are four different types. Arborescence is another yeah, one. That might be the. Uh, so you need, that would really, really help because then that will t- help us determine where it should go and how it should be pruned. Mm-hmm. Those are the two big issues yeah. where it should go and where it should be pruned, and then how much you need to modify the soil in terms of acidity or alkalinity. Otherwise, the blue won't bloom That's blue. Right. It's right. Or may not bloom at all, or okay. it may bloom red or okay. pink. Rita's probably going, you know, maybe this wasn't <laughs> such a great, a great plant at all. But, yeah, you know, we tried hydrangea, uh, and it just didn't work for us. And, and you know, we got them at a, at a established nursery, mm-hmm. and... We just didn't, we didn't go in with all the information. Like mm-hmm. the different types take different yeah. amount, amounts of sun or shade. or mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's a tough question there. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll just try setting them out somewhere. Well, you if you can down. find out more about it, mm-hmm. even if you had to go back to the uh, place where your friend bought it, they might well, be able I to track that down. Well, they, they might be able to track that down. I mean... Really, that that's going to really be helpful. Um, My guess would be it is one of the microphylla types. Okay. Based on the color and purchasing it at Walmart, I think that's a lot of what they carry. Okay. They might carry the other ones, but probably less often. Yeah. And those, I mean, they can do full sun, but maybe a part sun yeah. location might be best if you don't know what it is. Okay. Um, I will put, I'll, I'll find that guide from Sarah, and I'll put it on my blog. Um, so you can find it there, um, or you can email me direct, and I can send it right back to you. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. That, thank you, Rita, thank you. Yeah. and good luck. Hydrangeas are a tough one oh, because they're, just... they're all so different, and hydrangea is that one that if they get too, if they're too close to the lawn, yep. they're not going to bloom because they're getting too much nitrogen yes. from that the lawn when we um, They're just so fertilize. finicky. They're they just, really they, are. They really are. Now, they're beautiful. One old, of my favorites. Especially but. in older parts of town, you yeah. know, where the soil has uh, been modified and it hasn't been disturbed in the last 10 years. They tend to do a little bit better. There's a little bit more protection in those environments. Mm-hmm. Um, they tend to like this sort of half sun, half shade. They even get as finicky as sometimes morning sun is better than afternoon right. sun kind right. of thing and it's just really tough yeah. uh, where's uh where's primo hydrangea country well again it depends on um the, the tide the, the microclimate now yeah. um uh you know on the east coast they tend to perf- they tend to perform better okay mm-hmm. yeah um kind of like azaleas they tend to perform better yeah. and we get a lot of marketing um our way and these larger box stores are get kind of have that influence from sure. from the East Coast. Yeah. You know, all of, all of horticulture originates on the West and East Coast and kind of filters its way towards the center of the country. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the, um, you know, like Sunset Magazine on the West Coast and Horticulture Magazine or Fine Gardening Magazine, 
Um, that's where the initial, uh, you know, info sources were. And again, they would tell you to put Lime on something or they would tell you to do this or do that. Well, it works great in, you know, Chatham, New Hampshire, mm-hmm. but not so good here. Yeah. So, gotcha. But hydrangeas, boy, I just, yeah. finicky. I think the best ones here are probably going to be like your, um, the Annabelle one. Um, I can't remember what you called that one. Or the oak leaf. The, the microphyllas, which are the prettiest. Yeah. Just don't do well here. I've had pretty good luck they, with they oak can, leaf, but not yeah, so not yeah. at all with the yeah. others. And yeah. you'll find spots where they do they they're just fabulous. Yeah. But it just really depends. It's they're very finicky, like John said. And then the pruning is affected whether you prune them after they bloom or in the mm-hmm. early spring, or do you cut off the little flowers? Mm-hmm. Do you leave the flowers? All these different questions are just right. tough. They yeah. are. All yeah. right. Back with more after this. Well, that's going to jump and jack right to the end of the program here <laughs> on Yard and Garden Live for another another Friday morning. Of course, next Friday we will uh, be back again at, at 10 a.m. And uh, next week, our guest? Justin Evertson mm. from the Forest Service. So, mm. yeah. So if you have pine. Yeah. Pine tree questions. Mm-hmm. And especially if you're trying to... Grow them out in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Um, uh, John, uh, we want to uh, definitely say thank you, thank you, thank you, John, for coming down. John Fish, of course, here, as I, you know, a lot of people have have seen and heard you. And uh, and I know you just bring a whole lot of experience to the program. And, you know, the thing is, you've got to be really, really, really sick to uh, not show up the next year <laughs> after you've been here one year, right? So, you know, you, you the extent, you know, we will extend the invitation next year and we definitely want to say thank you for coming. Oh, it's great to be here and uh, good to visit with all the fine folks of Southeast Nebraska. Yeah, yeah thank you for coming. We yeah, appreciate you it. You bet. And remember, until next week, keep it green and keep it growing.